Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Hello, Bethany. It's so good to see everyone, and uh, if you're turning into our live stream, we're just really, uh, really glad that you're uh, coming in and joining us for worship, and uh, we're going to be looking at this uh, series, Greater, and uh, the title for this message is Opening Your Eyes, and if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, and uh, we're in this continuing look at um, Jesus' uh, spiritual conversation uh, with this uh, Samaritan woman. They're traveling uh, from uh, the Judea uh, in uh, southern um, Israel, and they're moving up to uh, uh, Galilee, northern Israel, and they've stopped to get some food. The disciples have gone into the, uh, uh, the town and are coming back with food, and Jesus has been in this conversation. Pastor Josh last week talked about this conversation, how it moved uh, into the area of worship, and that we're to worship in spirit and in truth, and then also reveals himself to this Samaritan woman that he is the Messiah. And uh, the only other place that he does this is uh, during his trial for the crucifixion, at least so plainly. And so it's kind of really a kind of a cool thing that he does it to this uh, Samaritan woman. And if you remember, Samaritans and Jews don't get along. In fact, there's an enmity. There's a kind of a war between them. So let me uh, pick up the, the story on verse 27 and uh, read all the way through verse 42. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. And thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. And I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. And others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Well, you know that I absolutely love uh, this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and now his conversation with his disciples. And 
the idea of getting into spiritual conversations with people is something that's really close to my heart, and it's kind of an amazing thing. And I've drawn a lot from this in my life. Uh, I, I love this, uh, what Jesus says about, you know, the will of the Father and finishing the work. But let's jump in and just uh, look at this. In this scene, the disciples are returning, and they've got food from the Samaritan uh, village. And they're coming, and they see that Jesus is talking to this woman, not just a woman, a Samaritan woman. And uh, they really are wise in not interrupting. Now, many times, and the disciples didn't get it, especially Peter. Many times he sticks his foot in his mouth. And here, uh, they were really wise, and they controlled, and they didn't say, well, what, what do you want to the woman, or why are you talking with her? They were just really quiet. They probably were wondering, what is he doing? But Jesus has done so many amazing things in front of them, they probably were you know, not surprised to see him do this amazing thing where he's crossing boundary lines, cross across cultural boundary lines and talking with her. And then verse 28 says, then leaving her water, the woman went back to the town. Uh, I read a lot of commentaries after I came up with my sermon. It was really interesting. Uh, I, I really disagreed with quite a few of them. Quite a few of them said, you know, she was so uh, excited about Jesus and uh, she was embarrassed because the disciples came that uh, she forgot her water jar. And I, I got to tell you, um, I, I, my personal belief, and normally I step down when I just give you my belief, but I really am right this time, is, you know, the hospitality that we see happen with this woman and with this town is amazing. They end up inviting Jesus to stay for two days, and I think she leaves her water jar. And we don't know for sure, but she leaves that water jar uh, for, for Jesus because, you know, Jews were taught never to share utensils with Samaritans because they're dirty and because you'll become unclean, and especially a rabbi, a teacher, you know, drinking from that. And then I think she left it for those disciples that they would have it. So she leaves it. She goes back to town, and, uh, and she says to the town, come see a man who told me everything I did and she's so wise when she tells the town I mean she's telling all these people you got to come see this man he told me everything I did and she's becoming changed because she had this conversation with Jesus and we don't think it's very much but if you've ever come to know Jesus and you were ever convicted of your sins I don't know if you've ever had that experience where the Holy Spirit just brings your sins to you and and there's a moment of you know peace and there's a moment of you know where he cleanses us and there's a moment of sorrow or sorry for our sins sometimes we cry and we confess our sins but there's this thing where it changes us and she's changed but she's really wise she does say you you have to come this is the messiah she says could this be the messiah so they follow her out of the town and they make their way towards jesus and it says verse 31 one of my favorite words for telling a story Meanwhile, if you ever watch movies, you ever watch TV shows, uh, many times they'll have a something meanwhile and they'll cut to another scene. So we're cutting to another scene. His disciples have brought food and they're laying out the food probably for him for a lunch. You know, my wife, she's so good at, at uh, coming up with lunches. And when we go on walks, you know, all of a sudden she'll have in her backpack or she has a purse that's a backpack and she'll have snacks, you know. And many times she has snacks that are 
so different uh, than normal snacks or what I would call normal snacks because I was used to, you know, like Cheetos, potato chips, corn nuts, you know, those are snacks. And she would have like a baked potato. Like one time we were traveling uh, home and we, uh, she had baked potatoes. And I said, a baked potato? A cold baked potato? And she said, yeah, room temperature cold. We try it, you know. So I bit into potato, you know, and I was so hungry. It was so good, just a baked potato. And then she had little pieces of cheese. She'd try it with this little piece of cheese. Well, it was way better then, you know. And it's just kind of amazing to have this. And you could just see them laying out this food for Jesus, you know. Uh, maybe they got some lamb. Maybe they got some shish kebab. Maybe they got uh, some hummus. Maybe some pita bread, you know. And they're laying out for Jesus. And they say, come on, come eat. Come eat something, Rabbi. Come, Jesus, come eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And that, that must have caused them to stop and pause. What's going on? And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Did that Samaritan lady give him food? Did he already eat? We've been going and buying this food and we're laying out this beautiful picnic. Did he already eat? And then Jesus says in verse uh, 34, and this is, um, you know, the Jesus food, is I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And he says, my food, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, Jesus is talking in figurative language. And he's not talking literally about actual food. He's not talking about baked potatoes or hummus or shish kebab. He's talking about spiritual food. And the spiritual food for him was doing the will of the Father, the one that sent him, and to finish his work. I just love that, finish his work. And uh, I want you to know that when Jesus was on the cross uh, in John 1930, uh, just before he gives up his spirit and dies, he says, it is finished. And the work on the cross was the work that Jesus came to be the savior of the world. Now, we know the resurrection is really important, too, because that verifies that work. But that work, that finishing work, and I want you to know when he says, it is finished, he paid for all the sins of the world. Your sin, my sin, everyone's sin. And there's nothing that we can do to earn his grace or his salvation. It's something that's a free gift. And it's the most wonderful thing that he says, I'm finished the work. It is finished. And then uh, the work that he was supposed to do, if you want to write this down, what was his work? I think the key is in verse 42 when they say, the Samaritan people say, this man really is the savior of the world. And Jesus' work was to do and be the savior of the world. Just, just a side note, and, and this really has nothing to do with my sermon, but uh, I took a class in seminary, and one of the things we had to do was a, a class of philosophy, and uh, philosophy of ministry, and you had to write your philosophy of ministry, and I had never even heard of that. And I don't know where I was, and, you know, because all kinds of people know this kind of stuff, and everyone kind of knows, you know, a mission statement and all kinds of business, but this is way before that. You know, I'm a, you know, a dinosaur. I mean, just before, you know, I went to seminary, the last tactile died, you know, so anyway, I want you to know that, um, that this idea of, of coming up with a philosophy, and I just pulled from John uh, 4 uh, when I wrote this paper, that my philosophy was to worship, because I just love worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, and to work. And that's the two things I do, and that's the two things I've done all my ministry, is worship and work, and worship and work. And I remember I got a really poor grade on that. That wasn't a real good philosophy. 
But I want you to know, uh, this is Jesus, you know, and he talks about worship, and then he talks about finishing the work. And one of the most important thing is to know the mission. That's really what we're talking about, the mission that Jesus has for each one of us. And he knows his mission, and he knows what he needs to do. And so he says, you know, I am going to finish what my Father has given me. And then he says in verse 35, and this is where I got the sermon title, Open Your Eyes. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. And I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe with harvest. Now, keep in mind when he says that, that verse 30 says, they came out of the town. This is the village. This is the Samaritan people coming out of the village. They came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. So I think he's looking out. And he sees the villagers coming towards him. And he says to his disciples, and this is a teaching moment, open your eyes and look at the fields. He's not talking about a barley harvest. He's talking about people. Open your eyes and see people. And that's one of the most important things in in our calling of being discipleship, by being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we need to see people like Jesus sees people. Verse 35 says, um, don't you have a saving? It's still uh, uh, months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And right now, with us coming out of this COVID uh, pandemic year, there's going to be opportunity or tons of people that are hungry to know God, hungry to have relationship. And one of the best things we can do is open our eyes and see the field and look uh, to people and see people. Verse 36 says, even now, and this is a crop for eternal life, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Uh, This is the most interesting thing is this crop is people and people are eternal. Every single person has a soul and it's eternal. And it's either eternal life or eternal death. And so everyone is super important. And then verse 37, he says, in sowing and reaping, and thus the saying, one sows, another reaps. And I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now, Jesus, at this point, is speaking directly to the disciples and saying, you, you guys have been called. I'm going to send you. And I'm going to give you the mission to do the reaping. You're going to go throughout the whole world. And the world in 400 years is going to change. The known Western world and part of the Eastern world is going to become Christian. And there will be thousands and thousands of churches and millions and millions of people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ones that sow, it's like John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet. And then all the prophets and all the saints beforehand and even Jesus himself have done the sowing, the hard work, but the reaping. And I've always thought that reaping is the hard work. You know, when they get out the sickle, you know, and they're knocking down the the grain and they're cutting it and gathering it, you know, and you get all itchy. You know, I don't know if you've ever worked in a hay field or done any of that kind of stuff. That to me is just like hard. Reaping is hard work. But back then, Sowing was the hard work. It wasn't just casting the seed. It was also tilling the ground and breaking up the soil. And they didn't have the tractors like we had. So there's just this difficult thing. And Jesus says, you know, both are important. Both benefit from it. And both reap the benefits of their labor. But you guys, and that means us, 
We get to reap. We get to see people come to know Jesus. We get to make disciples. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, and he, he told me everything that I did. And so we see the Samaritans as they come out and they begin to talk and they had listened to the woman. They begin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the most phenomenal verse, and I just love this verse, verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days because of his words. Many more became believers. So Jesus ends up spending two days with them in a village where it would be just considered terrible, unclean to stay with them. This is such a cross-cultural move. I mean, his disciples must have been just like petrified, aghast, but also the excitement of being with Jesus and doing something amazing. And you could see the disciples going back with these Samaritans and, you know, they weren't used to them. You know, they had probably already had drunk from the water. They, you know, probably one of them says, well, we're already unclean. You know, let's just go with them. So you could see them. And then the Samaritan hospitality was probably wonderful. They probably treated Jesus so good. And they listened to him teach. And it's the most interesting thing. They, they listened to his many words, Jesus' many words, and many more became believers. And he didn't have to do a bunch of miracles to let people know that he was the Messiah. He just just taught them and they believed and it's the most amazing thing if we were one of those disciples and I always get carried away you could imagine one of the disciples you know going back home when they get up to Galilee and the wife saying how was uh, your trip you know well it was amazing Jesus did some amazing things in the temple and then we baptized a bunch of people and then we stayed two days in the Samaritan village you what yeah, you know, and, and they're okay. You know, really, they're okay. We, we stayed in their place. We slept in their house. We uh, played with their kids. We listened to Jesus teach. And there's a hummus that they make that is so good. I, I asked them what the recipe was, and I got the recipe. I wrote it down for you. What? I'm not going to make Samaritan food. It's so good. And then their lamb, they do lamb, just a slightly little bit different, you know. And once in a while, it's nice to have a change. It was really good. You know, you could see them doing that, right? You know, because we learn when we cross boundaries and we cross into other cultures. And this is the most uh, exciting thing that Jesus stayed two days and all these people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ because of his word, not the miracles, because of his words. And that word there is logos. And Jesus is the logos. Jesus is the word. And then 42 ends with them saying to him, we no longer believe just because of what you said. That's what they said to the woman. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So the rest of the story is Jesus gives the disciples uh, marching orders uh, in Acts 1.8 where he tells them, I want you to go uh, throughout the world. First Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the world and Samaria was already been uh, tilled it's already a welcome place at least one village already believed in Jesus so you know the church was just ready to explode in Samaria uh, when the disciples went out in Acts 
So let me uh, talk about two spiritual challenges. Um, I wanted to just kind of make it a, a practical. Uh, so two uh, spiritual challenges that uh, if we were talking, I would say number one uh, challenge is to open your eyes and to see people. First challenge is to open your eyes and see people. And many times we don't open our eyes and really see people until we go through some kind of a, a, a change event. It can be dramatic. It can be life-threatening. You hear about people that, you know, uh, come close to death, and then, you know, they, all of a sudden they're, they have spiritual eyes, and they see people, and they want to change, or they're really close in a surgery of dying, or a heart attack, or cancer. There's other people that go on mission trips. I know one guy who went on a mission trip totally changed his life because he, he saw people for the first time, and he knew he had to do something. He had to respond, and his life mission changed to, you know, to serving and serving people in a foreign uh, culture. Um, the most interesting thing for me is uh, when Elaine almost died. When my wife almost died about 10 years ago, uh, she had a, a life-threatening um, operation, and she had another one, and she had another one, and she almost died. And you've heard this before, but uh, it was life-changing for me because for some reason God used it for me to see people. And for the first time, I changed from my neighbors, you know, just knowing a few neighbors to realizing that God had called me to this neighborhood and for me to be open to knowing my neighbors. And it has really been a journey. And um, this week, this last week, I just did a graveside memorial for one of my neighbors. And uh, it's just amazing. And I've gone on hospital calls to some of my neighbors. I have wept with some of my neighbors. I've had barbecues and had my neighbors over. And I'm not really great at it. Elaine's way better than me. She knows everyone's name. She knows what they're doing, knows their children. She keeps in contact. She's on the neighborhood email. She knows all that kind of stuff. And so she kind of keeps me informed. But I have seen people that normally I would never see. And one of the most amazing things as you grow in maturing in Christ is for us to see people like Jesus sees people. Now, the second spiritual challenge is, uh, is knowing what our mission for life is. What is your mission in life? What's your work that God's called you to finish? Now, one of the questions I ask when I make a sermon is, what if I die this week? And they'll say, oh, that was his last sermon, you know? And, and, and is it a life-changing sermon? Is it, you know, powerful? And I don't always hit a home run. But one of the things I think about is, if I was dead, was this a, like a really good sermon? You know, did it really grab a hold of people and say, yes, we can see that God said, that's the best sermon? Okay, take him, you know? So I don't know if you have that kind of thing, but I, I think that one of the things that I'm really been blessed in my life is I know my calling, I know my mission, and I know the work. And I've been doing it, you know, it's now getting close to 40 years. And it is awesome when you know that, that you know God's will for your life and God's work for your life. So what if, what if everyone that's watching this live stream and every one of you that are in this room, what if you knew God's mission for you? What if you could discover God's will? Without a shadow of a doubt, you would know his will and you would know 
the mission that he has for you, that you would know the work that you would finish it. And we're all in different places on our spiritual journey. And one of the things that we started back up after over a year is our growth track. Our growth track is really a kind of a workshops that are supposed to be catalysts that help people take their steps as they grow. And uh, I got to teach uh, with a teaching team, the first one, last Wednesday night. And I was rusty. I didn't think I was very good. But boy, was it fun talking to people about discipleship. And then this next week, this next Wednesday, we're going to have the second step, which is about maturity and growing in Christ. But the third one is the one that I want to talk to you about. The third one is the idea of discovering God's will and his work in your life. Discovering your mission, your particular mission. Uh, step four is awesome, too, because it teaches us how to, you know, to carry out that mission, but to discovering it. We actually call it discover your design, step three. And I, we want people to go step one, step two, step three, step four, but I'm going to just tell you, I would love for you to come to step three so that you would know what God's will and God's work for your life is. And it will start as a catalyst to help you find that. And that is like so important. And a lot of times people say, well, of course you do. You're a pastor. You know exactly what God wants you to do. But many times people don't realize that whatever vocation they're in, a doctor, a dentist, a general contractor, an office worker, a businessman, a businesswoman, a lawyer, uh, whatever vocation God has called you, there's also a deeper and greater mission that God has called you and gifted you and designed you to do. And so we want you to discover that. So what if everyone, everyone watching this and every one of you knew exactly what God's will and God's work was for your life? So that's what I'm praying for. I'd love for you to sign up for that. Uh, let me uh, pray for you. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing a last song. Let me uh, pray for you, and, and uh, we're going to have the band come and play this uh, song. Father God, just thank you for each person. We thank you for this conversation that you had with this Samaritan woman. We thank you that you are teaching us to cross uh, cultural barriers, to see people, to get into spiritual conversations, and to love people. Oh, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Bless each person. Shine your face upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.